If you grew up inundated with everything Disney and found yourself singing every song at the top of your lungs to the annoyance of your siblings like I did, then chances are you also watched the classic movie Pinocchio at some point. So why of all Disney movies are we talking about Pinocchio? Because it's been a long time. Well, because a live action version has just been released and we want you to know what to expect. By the way, I'm Kristen Smith and I'm filling in as host for the Plugged In Show while Adam takes a much needed break in quotations. Um, (laughs) Thanks for taking the time to listen to us today. I'm joined by Bob Hoos, Paul Acey and Jonathan McKee. Hi guys. Good morning. Hi there. Hey, hey. Okay, so before we get into the segment, so in our first segment, we're going to be talking about Pinocchio, right? And then the second, we're going to be talking about Netflix's series, The Sandman. But before we do either of those things, I have a question for you guys, and I want to know what's your favorite Disney movie of all time? Hmm. No pressure. Make it a good one. Favorite Disney movie of all time. Yep. What are we counting as Disney movies? Yeah, that's a lot of movies. Come on, guys. Let's not be those people. Okay, let's. let's <laughs> we let's need do rules. A- we need rules. Okay, animated Disney movies. Pixar count. Okay. Yes, of course. Up, up. Okay. Up is my favorite Disney. No, movie. That, that Pixar doesn't count. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I'm making a rule. It just doesn't count. It doesn't count. Okay. okay, it doesn't count. After your shirt. Withdraw no. your up answer. That's right. And give That's us right. a 2D one. Um, I, I think, I mean, it is a tough one because they have put out so many, yes. I mean, really, really good films. Yeah. Um, I think, for me, I'll jump in while Paul is reconsidering his answer. <laughs> um, I, I'll jump in and say uh, Beauty and the Beast, the original oh, animated so version. You, you know, and I mean, people have complained about some of the storyline of Beauty and the Beast, but I'll tell you, in terms of a a great animated piece that that is probably one of the best Disney musicals uh, they've ever made, that's number one in my book. Ooh, I love that one. Jonathan, what about you? Paul's still thinking. Oh, man. I mean, it's, uh, well, because Bob's rules are so stringent, and and I I can't do Pixar. I mean, my goodness, I I was probably going to actually say Toy Story 2 because the scene with Jesse getting lost and the story of her, it just makes me cry every time. But I can't say that, so I'm not going to say that because I'm not allowed to. Thank you for not saying Um, that. No, no, I mean, it, it was good. But honestly, my favorite bob i I guess i'm just trying to just you know uh suck up to you because um i love uh beauty and the beast and beauty and the beast is probably one of my family's favorites so maybe it's nostalgic because i mean we quote it all the time you know every time i make you know whenever i'm proteining and i make like you know five eggs for myself and stuff they're like okay gaston (laughs) i'm like this isn't two dozen eggs and my body's not covered with hair you know i mean we're always you know quoting it it's it's it was so great everything about it loved it loved it that that opening number is just magical it's true oh it is i will let paul have his answer kind of suits him you can take it all right that's fine so can i say up yeah all right, yeah. Up. Yeah. I think Up is really the one of the best movies ever. Not just Disney wow. movies, not just animated I movies. I do cry every time. Every Ugh. single Ugh. time. So you know, the yeah. bravery that yeah. it took to actually start that movie with essentially this montage where there's no dialogue at all and makes every single person in the theater start tearing up. 
Oh, yeah. You know, I think that that's, that shows just some profound movie making. And I love just the, just how the story flowed along where you have this bitter yeah. old man. All the artistry f- sort of fits into the characters that we see on screen. And then you see this, this beautiful redemption story of moving on, how to, how to move on from grief, how to reach out to other people. It's, oh, it's yeah. just great. Yeah. Uh-huh. Starting with the emotional peak however, is is a little difficult to come back from in most cases. In most cases, and Up, I think, did it. Now, if I was going to go for a 2D classic, I think it would be Sleeping Beauty. See, now wow. there you go. Now, okay. he, now he's following the yeah. rules. Yeah. Actually, oh, no, I there just you like this rule. I think my favorite is Pocahontas because I grew up Okay, so we grew up on like a lot of land and we had a pond and a boat and like it was mm. it was magical. And so oh, I always wanted to good. be Pocahontas, right? Like running barefoot through the forest, oh, which with I your did. Little canoe. Yeah, like I just would <laughs> pretend I was her all day long outside singing all the songs. And all my siblings, like I said at the beginning, were so annoyed because they're like, You sing all the time. Stop it. <laughs> so funny. I thought it was great. That's funny. <laughs> um, we could talk about this for a long time, but you let's could. dive into Pinocchio. Okay. Okay. So there's this new remake, right? Um, Paul, you're the one that reviewed it. So could you tell us a little bit about what it's about? You bet. So people who are familiar with the original Disney classic, 1940 classic, it, it sort of follows the same template as the original with a few changes. You have uh, Geppetto is still this this toy maker, this mm-hmm. wood carver. Um, instead of just creating a boy, a puppet boy, uh, just because he wants to, he's grieving the loss of his son. Mm-hmm. His son has died. We don't know how. His wife has also passed on. So he sort of tries to fill this hole within him by carving this little this little puppet um, which is a major change from the first one because mm-hmm. the first one he just he just wanted a boy he wanted a son of his own yeah yeah so, yeah, so yeah, exactly after he carves him up uh, he makes a wish upon a star this blue fairy comes down um, and magically transforms Pinocchio into a semi real boy uh, the story is really about Pinocchio getting into whole bunches of adventures on his quest to quote-unquote become a real boy learn what mm-hmm. it is to be fully human okay. um, and that includes showing bravery sacrifice uh, determination truthfulness all that kind of stuff. truthfulness yeah. which we know that Pinocchio has had trouble with so essentially it, it plays on those same sort of tropes we okay. we hear about the same characters Stromboli the evil puppeteer is still there you still have Pleasure Island uh, that you have to deal with and you still have Monstro except that instead of a whale it's a big gigantic sea monster okay all right so I kind of want to do like a side-by-side analysis so yeah. before I ask you more questions on that who's can you tell me how that compares or contrasts to the original uh, as Paul said it the the new one keeps much of the at least story form of the first one. Uh, the first one, however, is much more direct, in my opinion. Uh, you know, Paul mentioned the the blue fairy um, bringing the puppet to life and then saying, you know, if you want to be a, a real boy, you need to be brave, you need to be truthful, and you need to be selfless. Mm. And that's still there, and that's core to the original. Um, but the original really focused on that, I think, so much more mm. directly than than the new one does, and we'll talk about that as we go along. But it it just throws Pinocchio into making decisions, and his origin in his 
initial decisions are bad ones yeah. where he's taking because uh, Jiminy, the, the little cricket who is his conscience, tells him that, you know, there's a lot of temptations in the world. And if you are str- uh, drawn astray by those temptations, you know, you miss your mark because mm-hmm. Pinocchio really wants to be a real boy for Geppetto. And uh, and of course, as I said, that's what he does in the beginning is he is drawn astray. He's he's pulled into different little adventures that are not true, are not honest, are not uh, upright. And so um, that's and the original really focuses directly on that and stays there so that when we get to the end, he has to work in the original. He has to work to earn being this better person, mm. being this real boy. And that's a little bit different in the in the uh, new one. Yeah, you know, one of the things that strikes me about the new Pinocchio, the old Pinocchio, and the original Pinocchio is that when you look at how this is manifested over time, they really sort of become these templates for how morality, quote-unquote morality, works within those particular time frames, at yeah. least culturally. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. You know, the original 1881 Pinocchio was a big old jerk. Hmm. Jiminy Cricket is actually killed in the very first chapter. Pinocchio throws a brick at him, hits him in the head, and he's gone. Wow. Yeah. He Good is, thing they softened it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a very Disney beginning. And, yeah. and really, Pinocchio goes through some really difficult times. By the end of chapter 15, Pinocchio is actually hung for all his terrible crimes. He comes back and is redeemed through the subsequent chapters. But yeah, the, the original oh Pinocchio gosh. is because much darker. Let's face it, a, a marionette is going to be hung anyway no matter what <laughs> yeah I mean, no matter no matter how yeah. so when you look at the 1940 disney version they obviously soften the character up yeah. pinocchio becomes a much more likable character yeah. but he does make some bad decisions it's interesting in the new version because we don't see uh, we see him make some questionable decisions but really he starts off as a pretty good puppet yeah. a lot of the things mm-hmm. that where he goes astray it's because of other people yeah right out right out of the gate uh geppetto sends him off to school yeah and that's in the original as well but in the original uh 1940 version he's uh he's caught by this uh honest john, honest john. the fox who uh, who yeah, says yeah. you know you need to what you need to do is to be famous and so he convinces the puppet to head over to the circus area where uh, uh, a puppet master makes him famous. But in this one, he actually goes to school and and then the uh, schoolmaster kicks him out. And see, that bugged me a little bit because... Thrown out pu- for being a puppet. Pu- Pinocchio didn't make the decision. He, you know, he wasn't right. making any decisions for himself. What else could he do? He got kicked out by the schoolmaster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Much more to say about that, but we'll get to that, I'm sure. Well, no, I think that's kind of like, I find this super fascinating because it does say a lot about different worldviews in time periods. Right. So what do you think, Paul, if you could have like a word or two to describe the worldview of this film, what would you say? Self-acceptance. Okay. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if the big, original big Pinocchio was really about... Um, becoming who I think one of the reasons why the new Pinocchio took the direction that it did is there was a sense that the old Pinocchio was seeking some sort of conformity like you needed to perform a certain way to be loved 
You know, it's all about this quest to be a real boy. Um, Which I never saw. I never, I never saw that perspective in the original. But okay, go ahead. In, in the in the new version, you have this sense that Pinocchio starts off pretty good. He has already all the qualities that he needs to be to become a real boy. Or, you know, again, it's it's when you get to the end, it's almost questionable whether he even needs to become a real boy. It's all about accepting who he is. In fact, in the new one. It's questionable if he does become a real boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's the thing. With this new one, what they've tried to do is, as we've been saying, they've tried to sort of update it to yeah. make it culturally relevant for our time. Yeah. But the problem is um, it it feels muddled in a way because, and, and it has to do with the writing, the way they've sort of tacked on these extra little messages. Yeah. And instead of it be, feeling like it's, flowing effortlessly toward a, an end point it feels like it trips and stumbles here and there and I, and I think it really is just um Paul and I were talking about it a little bit I think it's less care taken to the end result you know we've got things that are sort of grafted on and it changes the perspective of what this film says by the time you get to the end even though they have the same things like with the blue fairy the the blue fairy says pretty much the exact same thing at the beginning of what it will take for him to be a real boy. But by the time we get to the end, it doesn't Spoiler matter alert. as much. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that we're just seeing out of so many, you know, stories today, and we're talking books, TV shows, cinema, is kind of this message of you do you, you know, right. you be you, you know, and, and you know, you got to just find yourself and whatever those feelings tell you you are, that's who you are. And and the thing that's sad is, I mean, we're, we're sitting here in a world where where depression is, you know, at an unprecedented high anxiety. People are feeling really bad about themselves because we're kind of encouraging them. You can be whatever you want to be, you know, just search your inner self and 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 just go with your gut. You know, don't let your conscience be your guide. Let your let your gut feelings at the moment be right, your guide, right. which is you know leading a lot of people astray in the moment because they're like, well, I feel like I should do this, you know. <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, what if it's the sinful nature telling me that? Well, well, there's no sinful nature. I just gotta, I just gotta follow me. And, and the thing that's just hard is when our identity is all caught up in ourselves. Um, it, it just is going to lead to disappointment uh, because we're imperfect beings and. And we're constantly going to get, and we've seen it, we've seen people get to the top and they're like, wait, isn't there more? I've achieved all I wanted to be. I was the best me I could be. And there's still something missing. And that's where the the biblical understanding of who Christ is and our identity being in Christ Mm -hmm. is such a saving saving concept because it's I'm not good enough right and I need my creator and I was created to be in a relationship with him and that's what's truly fulfilling not going off on some quest to be the best be I can be while pushing him away yeah and and Hollywood of course that's not a very Hollywood you know politically correct message so they can't they can't do that so we're seeing this constant Mm. quest for self and everything is okay you do you that's good. Yeah, no, I think that that's exactly what we're seeing in, in this movie. And, mm-hmm. and again, th- that message is not entirely wrong. I mean, you do want to be, the message, the core message of this is you don't need to change to be loved, right? And and that's pretty biblical mm-hmm. too. You, you, you are loved, God loves us for who we are. Yeah. But yeah, at the absolutely. same time, 
we are meant to grow. And one of the things that, that I was thinking about, especially as it got down to the end, where there was some question whether Pinocchio even needed to become a real boy. Could he stay a puppet forever? Mm. But then you have, yeah. so you have this puppet, right? This wooden puppet. Geppetto says, I love you just the way you are. But what happens with wood when you cut it from the tree? It stops growing. He is that puppet forever. What does a real boy do? He grows. And what is our role as parents? We are meant to train our sons and daughters mm -hmm. to grow up into the mm -hmm. men and women that we know they can be. This sort of cuts off that growth, almost literally. Um, and, mm. and I think that when we look at, at who we are as Christians, yes, we are loved for who we are, mm -hmm. but we are pushed to be constantly molded into the creation that God always meant us to be. Mm. And that's a huge part of the original 1940 yeah. version because it is about this, this kid reaching for the qualities, reaching for the things that will make him a good person. You know, and that's what, of course, is meant by a real boy yeah. when you're a good person. And, and the other thing about the original is that it says things like, um, oh, running off to Pleasure Island. And, and in the original, by the way, that's another difference. Uh, in the original, the, the little kids ran off to Pleasure Island and drank beer and smoked cigars. That's not in this one. So, <laughs> so there is a change there, too. Yeah. But, uh, but, you know, running off to Pleasure Island. And then the other element was becoming famous, which I think in, in, a, in a very strong sense is very prescient for this day and age yeah. of all yeah, the kids yeah, sure. that, that want to be a famous TikToker or, a, or an influencer on, on social media. And they all want to want to grab that fame star. And yet this movie, the older movie, says, you know, that's worthless. It's not worth it as compared to going out and reaching for these qualities that make you a better person in the world around with the world around you. Can I just say that the original was also just a much better movie? It feels lighter. It feels more fun. It yeah. is honest to goodness, much more entertaining than the new one. The new one, oddly enough, has fewer content issues. Like like yeah. like Bob was saying, uh, we don't have the drinking, we don't have the smoking, we don't have some of the other problematic issues that that were pretty okay in 1940 to show in a G-rated movie. Uh, so it's technically cleaner, but I think it's a much worse movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, even the element we were talking about, um, Geppetto grieving at the beginning for his lost son and his wife. And here's a man, we don't know how long ago they died, but, you know, he just, he's constantly looking at the picture of his son, and that's what he wishes on the star for, by mm -hmm. the way, which in a way makes his, his statement that you said at the end, that I didn't want anything but you, is, that's a lie, because he was wishing for his son again. Mm -hmm. But that opening segment where he's sort of grieving his son while he's carving the puppet, it, it becomes much sadder. It, yeah. It's much more mm. somber as compared to the original where he's just joyously carving a puppet and then dancing it around the room. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thank you, guys. I, I mean, I remember the original being a little scary, right? And mm. I, I was kind of like oh, freaked totally. out about it. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see the new one and kind of compare the two. So mm -hmm. thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Sure thing. Okay, so this is our second segment. Welcome, everyone. And we're going to be talking about the Sandman. So Paul... 
He's been talking a lot, you guys, but he's going to continue. <laughs> he's going to continue talking. <laughs> he reviewed this show, and we want to know what it's about. Yeah. So, so we're going to let him talk a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, go ahead, Paul. Can you tell us what it's about, please? All right. So the Sandman was originally a DC character from the DC comic books. He starred in his own series from 1989 to 1996, uh, he has moved into the realm of this Netflix show. And essentially, this guy is a godlike being. He's called one of the Endless. And he is one of seven siblings. Destiny, death, dream, that's actually who the Sandman is. Destruction, desire, despair, and delirium. Those are his siblings? Those are his siblings. Okay. They don't get along very well. What a family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they yeah. don't get so along fun. very well. Uh, thanks Thanksgiving dinners would be awkward. Yeah, I was say, Thanksgiving's a hoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially, he is captured for about 100 years by this wizard, essentially, locked away in a, in a glass cage. Um, he gets out, but in the process of his imprisonment, the things that made him powerful, that made him the Sandman, have been stolen. He has a ruby that he needs to get back. He has a pouch full of sand that he needs to get back and a mask. So essentially, the, the Netflix show is about his quest to get these items back and thus restore um, good sleep patterns to the rest of the world because there's a lot of people who are not sleeping very well. I need your help. If dreams disappear, then so will humanity. We could do without dreams for a while. I haven't had a decent night's sleep in ages. Okay, so it sounds like we have a lot of issues here, but let's <laughs> let's maybe talk about like the positives before we get into those. Could you tell us, is there anything redeemable here? Oh, man. So you do have some hints of some redeemable values, okay. right? Hints. One of Just the, hints. <laughs> it really is that. I mean, we talk about this. Uh, there's this, this idea that hope is a really important part of our existence. Without hope, we cannot move on. Uh, you have some efforts for all of these people to be good, sort of. There's, there's, cross your fingers, maybe. There's some, there's some messages about just sort of restoring um, the balance of humanity, even at the cost of, of you know, some pain, personal pain, that type of thing. So there's an element of sacrifice here, okay. but those elements are really sort of low down on the totem pole in terms of what this show is about. Okay. Uh, if you're looking aesthetically, it has some really great CGI. You know, the story is compelling. Sure. Uh, Story-wise, I can understand why it's become such a popular show on Netflix, but uh, that does not excuse the problems there. It, in. It, it sounds like uh, the kind of comic book show where, much like the new uh, Marvel phase mm -hmm. uh, where, yeah. where everybody's a god right. rather than a superhero. Right. Yeah. And, and and that's where it sort of gets into problems for me is, you know, I probably have a longer tether than some do for these mythological realms. You know, I can I can watch Thor without, you know, feeling really disturbed by it. Yeah. This I felt kind of disturbed by it. And yeah. I think that part of it is because you have these overlapping mythologies, right? Yeah. You're dealing with these godlike entities, but but you also have these Christian elements, so you can't separate it. Like one of the episodes, uh, Morpheus, the Sandman, goes actually to Hades um, and 
has a game with Lucifer to get back one of these properties. That's intense. Yeah, and it's the Lucifer that we meet actually in the CBS show, you know, Lucifer. You know, yeah. this is another oh. DC character. So this is this is part of the DC world. But oh. when you have these overlapping mythologies, I think that it really risks um, two things. It risks vaulting these made-up characters, these characters that were made up by Neil Gaiman, who's famous for his his mythology creations. Um, he was behind American Gods and Good Omens and that sort of thing. Um, it risks elevating them, or it risks demeaning some of the Christian elements that mm -hmm. you see in here, uh, where all of a sudden they all become comic book heroes, and that's a problem. You know, it's one of those interesting things where I think, again, if we as families are in the Word of God, you know, throughout the Word, I think of like Joshua and Judges, how we, especially in the book of Judges, we start to hear that term, and they did what was right in their own eyes. You know, they, they kind of like, hey, it's almost what we just talked about in our previous segment, you know, uh, you know, what feels right at the moment? And that's nothing new. And we're going to see that in a lot of entertainment today, which is just even, let's even take, you know, these godlike creatures and make them all just like evil man, each trying to do what's right in their own eyes. And, and the more that we're in the truth, the more we're going to recognize the lies in the entertainment media. Although with this particular show, this is one that probably for most families, you know, it's just easy to just not turn on. You know, I have a question. Um, you know, we're, we're in this, kids really, really love superheroes. Mm -hmm. So why are all the superhero entertainment enterprises sort of shifting into this God world? In your opinion. You know, I think that there is a godlike element in the superhero genre itself. You know, I, So ultimately, they would always go there, you're saying? Well, in some ways, I think that the, when you're a writer and you don't come from necessarily a Christian worldview, I think that you might tend to push in that direction. You know, one of the reasons I, I've written that uh, that when I was a kid, my parents, my dad didn't let me read superhero comic books. Yeah. And in part, I think it was because of this element you have with Superman, with Iron Man, with Thor, with Green Lantern, you have these people with, with super-powered abilities um, that become sort of these demigod-like people. And, and for a long time, even within the, the Marvel Universe that we've seen lately, there was a nice, fine delineation between these superpowers yeah. and, you know, being a godlike creature. Right, right. That is blurring mm -hmm. more and more, and you see that, especially in, in a show like this. So I think, to answer your question, I think that there was always a danger of that happening, but clearly in this growing secular world, I think it's just coming to fruition. It almost feels like lazy writing to me, you know, because why not write, write a story about a god because they can do everything as compared to, you know, a superhero who has certain limitations. Well, to wrap this up really quick, can you just give us two more things? What's the rating of the show? And are there any other issues? There are so many other issues. Okay. It is TVMA. It okay. is really bloody. Gotcha. Uh, you do have some sexuality and a lot of language. So okay. not only do you have these worldviews issues, but it, it is very problematic in a lot of other areas as well. Thanks, Paul. Okay, so in our next segment, which is this segment, instead of <laughs> <laughs> instead of pop culture connection, we're going to be trying something new called Forging Your Family's Faith. And here, we want to be able to help you forge a connection between pop culture and your family's faith, hence the name. You're yep. welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Makes sense. It works. So here is my question. 
What is one animated movie you and your family could watch that could lead to a fruitful conversation about positive or spiritual themes or questions? You will have 30 seconds to tell me what it is and why you think this would be a good conversation starter. So cool. I'm going to choose Jonathan first. Oh, man. Because he just typically wins these things. I'm not necessarily sure there's a winner this time around, but I might decide in the end that there was. We'll I, I don't know, know yet. who the winner yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, I think we'll all You know. are the arbiter. That's so. right. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, are you ready? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> sure. All right, we're going to start anyway. Ready, set. What animated movie is a good conversation starter? Well, there's some things where you look at and you sit there and go, wow, what a great conversation starter about something positive. But sometimes you look at like kind of consequences in a movie and you could talk about them. I always find The Little Mermaid interesting because on one hand, she's very disobedient and she's going her own way. And at the end, the dad's all like, I should have listened to you. And I think that's an interesting <laughs> one to actually talk and say, is this the way it is? Or dad's all stupid morons who just need to listen to their daughters. Good conversation to have. <laughs> all, all valid points. <laughs> Sounded like the beginning of a rant. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll go. It's your turn. Are I'm you ready? ready? I'm ready. Okay. Despicable Me. Uh, the story about this the, the world's worst criminal mind who changes because of his love and uh, because he adopts three uh, orphan daughters yeah. and it changes his world. He, uh, he, his focus changes, his goals change. In fact, it transforms his life, which then can be used as a launching point into a discussion about God's love because God is the source of love. Mm, that's a good one. And I did it under 30 <laughs> seconds. There you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, Paul, we'd like to hear from you. All right. What do you think? Are you ready? Here we go. All right. I'm actually going to cheat and say Pinocchio. <laughs> Pinocchio. And the reason is, is because I think the Pinocchio, the character, and the original Disney animated movie, um, <laughs> he is he is trying to become a real boy. He is not fully alive, and I think that you can make a comparison between between us being not fully alive without God's love and grace. When we are not living within, as as one of God's creatures, we are not fully alive. Ooh, that was a good one. I always feel such pressure to answer these, even when I host. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> so stressful. As the host, you don't feel pressure at all. Give yourself 60 seconds. And I might, I might. I'm surprised no one said Iron Giant. Oh, Iron oh, that's Giant a great is one. a great one. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's not your turn. Okay. Um, all right, I'm going to start for myself. Okay, I'm going to go with The Lion King oh. because Simba was kind of like depressed obviously and didn't really want to follow his destiny but as the movie progressed he learned that it was not only required of him to like follow his destiny to overcome evil but that he wanted to it was built inside of him as the movie progressed mm. and i thought that that was really cool That's good um and i still have like four seconds to go and i don't want to talk anymore so <laughs> <laughs> hey got it all fit in all right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, guys. You bet. Who won? Not me. <laughs> your your answers think, are way better. I think who's did. 
I think it was. Yeah. I, oh, I, Paul, just I was going to because... count yours, but that's not fair because we already talked about Pinocchio. That's right. So yeah. I had an unfair so advantage. So you well, you did. Yeah. Just like you did with felt... Up. Yeah. <laughs> up and Pinocchio. Well, and you ended it so nicely right before the buzzer. Right? Yeah. Oh, well, and, and honestly, I wanted to say Up, but I just couldn't <laughs> handle being smacked down by Hoose again. You know, I just didn't want to. I... <laughs> That's my role. (laughs) Hopefully our conversation today gave you some valuable information on the difference between the two Pinocchios as well as Netflix's series, The Sandman. And if you liked hanging out with us today, which I mean, of course you did, (laughs) go and tell your friends to listen. Uh, Save our posts on social media. Leave us a comment. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast so that you know when a new one is coming. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us, like I said, on social media as Plugged In Team, or you can send us an email at team at thepluggedinshow.com. And if you want the full review of the shows and movies we've talked about today, you can check out our website at pluggedin.com. Thanks so much.